0: Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery.
1: Hi everybody, Pat here from uh, Glass Canada Magazine, uh, joined today by Caroline Butchart. Uh, She is the program manager uh, for the Net Carbon Leadership Forum in British Columbia. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Pat. Nice
0: to meet you. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, I, I wanted to have this conversation because I saw that um, uh, one of your uh, organizations, they're, they're, we, we've been talking about it, there's sort, of, sort of sub-organizations within organizations, uh, was mm-hmm. handing out uh, uh, an award for, uh, I guess, leadership in embodied carbon uh, uh, yeah. building science. And uh, and and that got me thinking. You know, this this whole embodied carbon issue and, and is 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 a new thing to many of us. It's something that uh, is 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 coming in the codes and the standards uh, uh, very quickly. I, I think in BC there's already uh, 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 some regulations and requirements in place that we're going we're gonna get into all of that. And uh, And it just it's, it's sort of part of, I guess you would say, my ongoing effort to try to get everybody educated and ready uh, for, uh, for, for some of the, the concepts and some of the, the rules that are going to be coming out. Dealing with embodied carbon, and especially how they're going to be different than a lot of the measures that we've taken in the industry uh, to uh, limit the amount of uh, operational carbon that that's created by uh, by buildings. So there's 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 going to be some changes. There's going to be some some big new ideas to to keep in mind there. And uh, wanted to have you on to uh, to talk about all of that. So I think you're uh, you're a great person to talk to about all of this, and uh, it's wonderful to have you here. So why don't you just start? By giving us your um, your background and uh, and what you do uh, for CLF and uh, and I suppose a bit about the organizations that you work with.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. So um, my background um, is actually in structural engineering. So I have been working for the last uh, decade or so as a structural engineer, both in the UK and also in Canada. Um, and uh, increasingly, that focus was on embodied carbon in buildings and how we can reduce or how we as a design community can reduce our impact on the world. Um, so last year, I, I moved to uh, CLF British Columbia, uh, where I work now as the program manager. And we um, we exist to um, help the building industry reduce the embodied carbon associated associated with building materials and construction. Uh, So we have uh, a little bit of a a collection or a family of organizations. Uh, CLF, uh, British Columbia is a part of the Zero Emissions Innovation Center. Uh, That's a Vancouver-based not-for-profit that looks at decarbonization across a whole um, kind of spectrum of um, sectors. Within the Zero Emissions Innovation Center, we have a buildings focus, so the Zero Emissions Building Exchange. A bit of a a collection of organizations, Uh, but we are fundamentally looking at reducing uh, carbon in buildings, and specifically my work is embodied carbon in buildings. And you're right, we had um, the BC Embodied Carbon Awards just Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks back now, and the aim was to really celebrate the organization's who are going above and beyond in their projects, in their day-to-day work, um, in the pursuit of low embodied carbon in buildings. And we're seeing it um, more and more in, in flagship projects, in everyday projects, because people uh, believe in this issue.
1: Great, and I think people can see your um, your announcement about that and the, and, and the winners uh, uh, on the website. I, I posted, I believe, a news item about that on Glass Canada. So uh that's out there. and um, it, that was uh, that was nice to see uh, some uh, some companies getting recognized for sure. Uh, we've gotta gotta see some uh, gotta see some carrot as well as the stick. On all of this stuff, <laughs> and that's all that. awards are always a nice uh, a nice little uh, a nice little thing you can you you can put on your wall for sure. Be- before we get into that, um, let's uh, and and I'm almost to the point where I don't have to do this anymore, but I still don't think I'm quite there with everybody. Uh, let's talk about embodied carbon versus operational carbon. What is embodied carbon? And, and how is that different than how we've thought about CO2, greenhouse gas emissions and, and climate change going in, in the past?
0: Yeah, um, and I think you're right. I think we're almost at that point, but maybe not quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so operational emissions are the emissions associated with uh, the building's operational operations. So that's heating, cooling, water, your electricity demand embodied emissions or embodied carbon they both mean the same thing um that's the emissions associated with the building materials and construction and at the end of life the demolition of those um, of that building and those materials so you've got the emissions associated with production of those materials and then you have also the emissions associated with transporting those materials or products from the plant to the construction site. You also have a lot of emissions associated with with construction um, equipment as well. End of life, um, what you do with that building, whether you send it straight to landfill, whether you're recycling, it also has uh, a large piece to play in the embodied emissions of that building as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, I think it's important to note that, that that It doesn't matter, as far as the atmosphere is concerned, where the carbon is coming from, or, or, or even, even for that matter, when it was, when it was created. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, if it comes from the transportation and the and the, and the mining or whatever uh, uh, for the materials, it's, it's doing just exactly the same thing as if it comes out of a a, a car's exhaust pipe or a, or a power plant or whatever. Carbon dioxide is carbon yep. dioxide, and it doesn't matter where it comes from, right? So
0: Exactly, but um, with one kind of small nuance in that um, carbon accumulates in the atmosphere, so short-term emissions are have a slightly higher importance than, than longer-term emissions. And the, the thing with embodied carbon is it's about the same magnitude as a building's operational emissions, except all of that emissions is happening right away. So you're, you're building a building in a kind of like a two to three year time frame, whereas the operational emissions, they're they're over the next 20 years or even more. And I definitely don't want to downplay the importance of lowering operational emissions, but it's important to remember that the embodied emissions happen very, very quickly and we're getting a big spike in CO2 emissions in a very, very short period of time and things like Climate tipping points, um, which are quite hard to predict, uh, may be influenced more by these short-term large emissions.
1: Uh, th- thanks for that. I, I I didn't want to put you on the spot by asking the questions, but you had the you had the number or at least the idea in your mind. Uh, yeah, I wondered uh, uh, how the embodied carbon, uh, you know, emissions or the embodied carbon in a building compared to the operational, and and you're saying it's. Around the same. I mean, it, it 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 it's just that one is dragged out and the other one is kind of front loaded.
0: It definitely depends on. Um, I suppose it
1: depends what you're doing. It depends what you're making it out of. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it could be on very the different. Yes, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. The it also depends on where the building is located.
1: Hmm. So
0: here in here in BC. Um, The province of BC recently looked at um, its whole inventory of emissions, including operational emissions and embodied emissions across the whole of the province. So rather than just on a building by building basis, they looked at um, the whole province and, and they found that operational emissions and embodied emissions were very, very similar um and that might vary if you are in a province that has a high carbon grid or has a, a really high heating or cooling demand um so it's it's definitely unique to to each province
1: yeah that's something um that's something our our, our friend at the magazine here claudio was 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 talking about at that at the show was that yeah i mean if you're in an area with a lot of hydro uh, electric power for instance like like ontario mm-hmm. or quebec um or I think B.C. has quite a bit, too, don't yeah. it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, it, you you know, the operational becomes let, less of a concern uh, or, or maybe almost zero. Well, not zero, but I mean, it, it just becomes a lot yeah. less. It becomes a lot less of a concern, at least as long as your energy supply is electrified. Uh, which actually, yes, definitely, definitely, yeah, and and you know, well, and, and here in here in Ontario, it's it's a lot of natural gas, so really that mm-hmm. it's kind of it's kind of uh, uh, it's still a it's still a big thing. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that's embodied carbon versus operational carbon. I I think most people understand that. Um, people have been aware of embodied carbon for for quite some time. I know it was part of LEED, if I'm not mistaken, going back at least 10 or 15 years. Uh, The LEED building standards uh, uh, used to have points in there for for locally supplied uh, uh, building materials for... uh, And I'm not sure if they were entirely measuring embodied carbon or if they were really just measuring... I guess what you would call the operational carbon of getting the stuff there, which is kind of the same thing, but I, I don't know. It uh, it, anyways, it seems like, it seems like there's been some awareness of this for, for yeah. quite a while, but now we're seeing this interest uh, in, 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 in governments and regulatory bodies. Uh, what's your, what's your idea on, 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 on why there's sort of more happening with embodied carbon right now?
0: Um, I think I think there's more happening right now because in the last sort of 5 years I, I think there's been a real kind of public um push towards the climate crisis and kind of all hands on deck mentality mm. I I went to university in the UK um in 2006 um and I was in an embodied carbon club at, in university. So 2006, like, it's quite a long, i Was that where that. all the
1: cool kids ha- hang out, Caroline? Was that the, <laughs> it was, that, was, it was, that, that was the cool club, <laughs> that was the- <laughs>
0: Yes. Uh, so it's definitely been around uh, for, for quite some time. Uh, wow. I think in the last five or so years, I've really seen a lot of interest in the building community uh, in reducing the embodied carbon of buildings. And I think this is really driven by just a, an overall public interest in this. People are aware of their own implications on the planet. Um, I think the IPCC has, has been very, very helpful in that. So I, I think that's the reason why people are focusing on this now. I, I also think that we're that we're largely getting to the point now where we understand how to reduce our operational emissions. And we've done a really great job over the last 10 or 20 years in that. Um, and now we're seeing the pieces that we perhaps neglected and that we now know how to fix.
1: Yeah, I I, I would echo that. I mean, the the efforts on the on the uh the, the fenestration side, on the on the on the glazing side that 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 I'm involved with and our listeners are involved with um have been massive uh 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 the 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 architects and the, and 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 have been have been demanding it uh the people making the products and the facades have have have, have responded with with just a great deal of work uh to make the at least have the the uh, better insulating uh solutions in place uh that can be used if you can get someone to pay for them um and <laughs> uh and yeah, the, the, there's a real sense that, you know, we've come a long way, um, um, to 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 make things even more. They're as insulating as they need to be to achieve the sort of the net zero result that that needs to happen from the operational side of things, and and really? and so you know. I don't want to say job done, but to a large extent, job done. Well, job done would be getting them as in getting the prices down, but 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 you know, job sort of done on the technology front of that, and 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 now it's a case of uh, now it's a case of okay, you know, what's this next step that we kind of always knew was was going to be there, uh, to uh, Mm -hmm. you know, to 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 really have the whole picture better, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: We've done we've done a lot of work to really. Understand how we minimize the energy demand in a building by making our envelope just as efficient as possible. Um, and now, and now the focus has to be on how do we make our building envelopes as efficient as possible without just using tons and tons of the world's resources.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And that. Yeah. <laughs> there's. There's. There's a. There's a story there for sure. Um, yeah. uh, <laughs> on what our on what our fabricators are going to have to uh, going to have to be looking at going forward, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Let's move to, uh, uh, of course, uh, BC. Like California, is just driving you know drives the standard uh, from west to east uh, uh, every mm-hmm. every time on on just about just about everything it seems. And in uh, and BC, I think I think it's safe to say is again in the forefront uh, on 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 all of this conversation. What's going on in BC as far as embodied carbon regulations right now? And then I think there's something new coming into effect in July that I'd like you to touch on. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah that's that's exactly right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to have landed over in BC. Um, at, when I moved to Canada, I had no idea that that BC had this reputation for, for just being ahead of the curve. So I feel very lucky to have landed here. Um, in BC, well, Vancouver specifically, we have an upcoming uh, requirement to report embodied carbon in new buildings, in new large buildings specifically in Vancouver. So this currently doesn't affect uh, the rest of the province, but uh, we know that there are local municipalities have an interest in what's going on in Vancouver. Um, I think they're interested in reducing the embodied carbon in their own Uh, local area so people are looking at Vancouver in Vancouver these requirements come in from July this year and at the moment there is no uh, requirement to reduce the embodied carbon in buildings there's no targets just yet this year is is the first year and um, the requirement is for the designers to submit the embodied carbon of their building and also to submit the embodied carbon of an equivalent, a functionally equivalent baseline.
1: Okay. So at the moment we're
0: just data
1: collecting. Okay, and this would be done by providing a environmental product declaration, an EPD, yes? With your, yes. okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: We, uh, well, the city of Vancouver has developed a um, an Excel-based, Uh, reporting template. So designers can use this this template, fill in the the material quantities for their building. They then need to submit the either specific EPD for each product, or they can use an industry-wide EPD if there is no product-specific EPD available yet. But yeah, essentially what you're submitting is the total quantity of materials in your building, along with the EPD, which kind of outlines the carbon credentials of each of the materials that are in the building.
1: Okay. And this requirement would fall currently on the contractor, uh, I, I assume, uh, or the or the project owner maybe, um, and- and I
0: believe it's the architect. The, the architect, architect is the, the lead design consultant will need to submit that with the building permits um, application.
1: Okay, so they and the architect would be getting that from the from the engineer or the consultant, and then that would be that then then and then they would be running around to the to the sub trades to, to our folks, uh, uh, asking them, I guess, for details on on what's in their product if they don't already have an EPD for their product, which frankly no mm-hmm. one does. So yeah, yeah, right, right. So so although there is, I, I I'll I'll use this moment again to point out that uh, I believe FGIA uh has uh has a industry-wide EPD for fabricated glass um so Mm -hmm. it sounds like that's something they could use at least for their baseline and then they just have to provide quantities from there does that sound right
0: yeah so um we're definitely aware that EPD's environmental product declarations um are not available for all um products or all materials just yet and so to bridge that gap, um, industry-wide EPDs are um, are suitable, suitable alternatives. Right. But I think um, a real selling point, potentially, for manufacturers, fabricators, is for them to get an EPD and realize, actually, I am X percent better than this industry average. So if I can prove that, I can make sure that people are really looking at me Oh, hey, if I use this product, I I can shave 10% off my embodied carbon in my whole building. So I think that's a real, it's a real challenge, but it's also a real opportunity to to set yourself ahead or or stand out in the crowd.
1: Yeah. So friends listening to this, your first action item uh, coming out of this today is to uh, get to work uh, uh, or get somebody in the office to work on your on your uh, on your EPD and start the ball ball rolling uh because uh well as carolina is pointing out uh uh it's a it is actually a delightful uh, marketing vehicle uh when you're approaching mm-hmm. these environmentally conscious architects uh and uh and 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 they will be uh thrilled to see that you have this in place and that your product is is possibly better than others um they'll they'll, they'll just be happy that you have it in place uh, and then, um, and, 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 and then from there, it's going to be a requirement. I mean, it's just, it's coming. You might as well do the work, uh, because, uh, it's coming and, and you're, you're, you're going to be kicked out of bids, uh, if you don't, uh, if you don't have this, uh, this ready to go, uh, you know, at, 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 in, at least in probably everywhere in the country in 10 years uh and and maybe shorter uh i think ontario is uh, certainly toronto is sniffing around all of this uh uh mm-hmm. as, so so that it's uh it, it's it's coming and uh so get to work on your spreadsheets i know you love them and uh <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, try to have try to have all that try to have all that ready to go okay so we talked about the information that builders really need to show um you know one thing that comes up caroline in 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 these uh, matters, uh, uh, and, and we saw this with with NAFs when they're trying to control air water tightness, uh, and, and 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 well, that was more on the residential side. But I, I mean, uh, uh, the wrangling for years, you know that that oh, people are getting their labels and saying they're this and that and everything else, and no one is enforcing it, and no one knows, you know, what, whether any of this is really what 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 people say it is, and there's opportunities for the unscrupulous to 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 do things that undercut the the scrupulous um and uh and and all of this so so I, I guess my my question that i know is going to be in the minds of a lot of people is um is is how is any of this information verified is there is there some sort of is there such a thing as a certified EPD like what how do you how do you uh how is this information verified or monitored yeah um so
0: there are quite strict requirements for EPDs um And there is a requirement for those EPDs to be third-party certified. So that is um, one requirement in the production of those EPDs. Um, In in short, the manufacturers or the suppliers will not be able to get an EPD or won't be able to use their EPD unless that is third-party verified. Um, I think then... I think maybe your question is leading into how do do we make sure that those EPDs are actually what's used in a building or how do do the building officials um, really know what's going on? Um, I think a lot of that will come down to the design consultants uh, and the architect. Ultimately, they're responsible for making sure that what they put on the drawings is what's built. Right. So they are probably going to be the gatekeepers there. The The building officials, they'll be receiving this information um, as part of the building permit application. Uh, I think that um, the city of Vancouver especially are looking at ways to um, do some high-level automated checks um, on the information that they're receiving so that they can see some immediate red flags. Like, Oh, this number is kind of double what we might expect there will be humans going through the information, but I think that they're hoping to implement these kind of quick checks that a computer can do to really point um, towards maybe information that's missing or information that just doesn't um, meet what we generally know to be true. Or oh, actually, why is the concrete three times more than we expect? Or why is the concrete half of what we expect for a building of yeah. this side? Those yeah. kind of... Kind of big level checks, um, and it's probably going to be almost impossible to go through every single line item with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, The building officials, um, there's only a finite number of them. I think it's these kind of larger outliers um, that are going to be where we're looking.
1: Hmm chat GPT write me a facade spec that meets Vancouver City requirements for body carbon <laughs> that's gonna be your oh, love to see that. love that. <laughs> that's where it's got to go right um okay it, it, just to just to circle back a little bit Caroline um it, it's the city of Vancouver mm-hmm. that's got this requirement for for um a third- party service mm-hmm. right okay so and and basically and... Was... yep
0: well so the the rules around um epds generally um there's an iso standard that governs epds and governs um uh, whole, uh, whole building life cycle assessments generally um and it's these iso standards that set the requirements uh, for third party certification what the city of vancouver is doing is saying your epds must conform to uh these
1: I iso suppose. standards yeah yeah okay okay yeah. So basically, your consultant can 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 attest to this, or or can or can can sign off on this, right? Yeah. That's yeah, not- um,
0: and there are really useful databases online, like EC3, which is an online database, free to use, an online database of EPDs, um, third-party verified EPDs. So building oh. designers can do on there. And look for, you know, do a quick search for glass, see what comes up, see where they can um source glass that has a third party certified EPD.
1: I should probably know this, but that 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 software that that site again is?
0: Um the tool is called EC3. The website is building transparency.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I don't know if it's.org.com. Um, but if you search for building transparency and EC3, you'll certainly get there.
1: Okay. Very interesting. Very interesting. Um, let's see. So we, um, oh, we've run through quite a bit of this actually. As it uh, as it turns out, um, the the so basically the uh, the information is going to be uh, is going to be collected uh, uh, basically at the at the bid and the design stage. Um, It's going to be, uh, as you say, gate by uh, by architects and engineers uh, who have to sign off on the drawings anyways. Um, And then we have. um, So the specific requirements are are basically, uh, at least in Vancouver, there is a spreadsheet uh, that lays out. uh, uh, Well, that's a whole project uh, spreadsheet where the various. EPDs will be slotted in but really there's basically forms and 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 ISO forms out there that 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 you tell you what you need to, what information you need to include and how to calculate it and uh, again a consultant is going to need to help with probably all of that um, mm-hmm. and then um, and then yeah so I, I guess I guess that's kind of the answer is call, call the call the people who know and uh, and that's that's how you're going to get your your pcAs and your lcAs and your epDs all all produced for your for your products right that's a a, a big acronym soup there um, <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly so um yeah. what what in your what in your view caroline i guess and, and, and thanks for all that that's that, that's good to know what the framework is uh uh in bc do do you have any sense or have you had any discussions of when this might go from the reporting stage into a requirement stage you're only allowed to have uh, a certain level of embodied carbon is there is there a sense of that in bc
0: yes well for thank you thank specifically um are um their intent is to implement um a reduction requirement starting in 2025 so two years from now um Generally, uh, no timeline on when and if BC might follow suit, but the general trend across um, lots of countries, not just Canada, is towards um, requiring reductions of embodied carbon in building and putting that into um, the codes and standards. So, yeah, general trend moving in that direction.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I I believe there was uh, something went around for public comment, Andy, with with updating national building code standards um, with embodied carbon uh, uh, regulations. And uh, I think that was talked about not necessarily for the next cycle, 2025, but maybe the one after 2030, uh, I think. Or what's your sense of that? Or or, or was it going to go national even in twenty five?
0: Uh, I'm not completely certain on this. I know I can't way, remember was, now
1: myself, but it's there it's... was a
0: public comment, and the comments were on um, kind of national harmonisation of codes,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and the public call for comments. Yes, uh, there were lots of comments saying, "Hey, let's bring embodied carbon into this earlier than the current right. plan, because hey, we're moving on this in Vancouver." And I think if you wait until 2030, this is this really is the decade of change. So if we wait until 2030, we are really going too late. And what you're relying on then is organizations to deliver these projects voluntarily or because their client has a, a certain environmental goal. And I think if we wait till 2030 to to regulate this, we really are missing the boat there.
1: Caroline, is there an architect left in this country that would build a non-environmentally friendly, uh, uh, horrible, low-standard, uh, uh, non-net-zero project? Th- does that even exist anymore? I mean, I, I, uh, uh, what are you seeing?
0: I, You're, you're right. Um, but also, yes, there are. I think okay. there are a lot of very, very big flagship um, designers, and they are working on a lot of Um, really fantastically performing projects. Mm -hmm. So whether that's operational or or, um, using low embodied carbon materials, there are lots of people really striving to do better. But I think there is a a middle ground of buildings that are perhaps lower budget and really just working to um, quite tight thresholds. It's, it's that middle group of buildings that regulations really need to cater for because they don't they don't have too much um spare money yeah. to go out and uh, research lots of different ideas and actually most of them are just doing what they know, just repeating the same building over and over again. Um, what, what we're seeing is it's actually not more expensive to build, a low embodied carbon building, it's just capturing that kind of market of, of builders and designers who are repeating the same building that they have done for the last 20 years mm. and, and just, just waving a quick hand and saying, hello, uh, we, we can offer some suggestions. They're not necessarily gonna cost you some money, but let's just nudge nudge that market in the right direction.
1: Absolutely true. A, a lot of, a lot of design is, is, is cut and paste from prior uh, mm-hmm. uh, projects and, uh, and, and yeah, that's, you know, it, it, and it doesn't necessarily cost uh, uh, very much yeah, more, cool. I, I I think, to go after these. I've, I've heard that from different, from different sources. Here's a, here's, here's, here's one for you. Um, So at, at the talk I just had um, uh, uh, Claudio was pointing out that um, I, I guess he, I guess he ran a bunch of numbers and I want to know if you agree with them uh, that, um, okay, let me, let me, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, of course, I don't know what size he was talking about, but he said, if you go to triple glazing, okay, which, uh, you know, a, a lot of the operational requirements uh, are pretty much at the point where you're going to have to go to triple glazing in in a lot of situations, a lot of orientations, a lot of climate zones, uh, in Canada especially you you might have to go to triples especially if you have a very big facade um mm-hmm. and 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 by his numbers the carbon budget works out by by the extra material and the extra sealant and the extra framing and the extra everything you use to triples he said the carbon payout is 20 years so it it mm-hmm. would take you 20 years of operational savings to offset what you put in on the embodied on the embodied side which is i'm not going to say it's the life of the fenestration but it's getting there uh it's yes. certainly getting there to the point where you're going to have to start doing yes. some serious maintenance um mm-hmm. what what co- comment on that it, 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 is that the yes. type of thing we're going to we're going to be coming up against here so
0: i see a lot of these kind of anecdotal stories and for facade systems, it's really quite complex in that facades are, are that piece of the building that exists in both the operational world and it exists in the embodied carbon world. You have the embodied carbon emissions associated with putting all of that facade system, whether it's glazing or, or something else, putting all of that together. And then you have the operational um, benefits that a really great facade system can provide. Mm-hmm. And if this goes back to to our conversation a little earlier in that it's really really dependent on both your building and your location. So if you have a very clean grid and you've got an electrified building, then yes, I can absolutely believe that it it's better to use a double glazed system rather than a triple glazed system. Yeah. But this is this comes into almost every aspect of facade design because you've got things like solar shading, you've got your coatings on your glass. And this is um, this is where a really really good façade designer or façade consultant can um, can make or break a project. Just being able to parametrically model, or maybe not even parametrically model, but being able to understand a specific building's requirements and geography, and understand whether or not it's worth doing, you know, X Y Z to improve the operational carbon or not and just looking at those payback periods so the facade system probably is one of the most complex um aspects of building design and i think um i know that there's a whole lot of research going into understanding how um or what that payback in terms of carbon is is it 20 years is it five years um there's a lot of research going on in this space right now it's it's
1: A really exciting topic i think well yeah Uh, it's it's neat and 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 it's interesting uh it makes your life interesting the 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 um, (laughs) the other thing the other thing about it is you know one one thing that occurred to me when you were saying that is you know i mean that it's obviously going to drive uh, i mean people have already modeled buildings and 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 their performance and and the cad drawings bim everything They've, they've they've been doing a lot of that for a long time but but this idea of embodied carbon is is really going to drive a uh how would I put it a, a broadening a deepening uh, uh uh more uh of of, of the modeling and this and the investigation of 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 how that building performs in a, in a much big, it's not going to be so product specific anymore, right? Like it's not going to be okay. Like the old prescriptive thing, right? Okay. This, this element meets the thing. So that's good. This element meets code. So that's good, you know, and then we just put it all together and whatever happens happens. It's, it's Mm -hmm. this right now we're going to be much more focused on that whole building look. Right. And, and maybe Mm -hmm. even a a broader, almost an area look. Mm
0: -hmm. And I think, I think it will be like that for a while. I think, Um, I think good building designers uh, will be able to look at the whole building picture holistically and understand how using more of X means you have to use less of Y. And it's really about balancing everything there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely going to be the way that we need to design buildings, at least for a little while. I think, or maybe I foresee or maybe I hope anyway, (laughs) that over time as um, the way we produce and source materials that we use to build buildings changes, so as we get better and better at recycling or reusing um, building components, I think over time we'll see that actually the whole product market will be shifting towards lower and lower embodied carbon products. Right. And uh, once we get there, I think it won't be as much of a balancing act. Mm-hmm. But I think for now, because there's quite a um, a wide vari- a variation in um, the embodied carbon of different products, that's when that's why we really need to be like, ah, is it this or is it this? We, yeah. we're still learning. And whilst yeah. we're learning, it means we're kind of playing with different scenarios and different options um and I, I do think that's quite
1: exciting yeah yeah it is it is it is neat and, and people well let's i, I want to get into that too just a, a touch um um one of the things about glass unfortunately is that it, it, in a lot of ways it is what it is uh it, you got to heat that sucker up uh to, to 2000 degrees uh to, to make it melt uh and <laughs> and and there's just no one has found a way uh to to to, to do glass in sort of a where you get a huge benefits, but, uh, uh, obviously aluminum is, is a big, is a big target. Uh, uh, it, 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 you know, tremendous amounts of heat required, uh, and, and, and emissions required to make aluminum. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that I, I, this was a different presentation at my show, uh, was, um, talking a bit about wood, uh, facades, uh, mm-hmm. believe it or not, and, uh, and mm-hmm. there's an element of that, that I want I mean, we know that wood is nicely insulating, uh, for one thing, it's, 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 it's good for that, uh, because of the cellular structure, but, um, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, a thing there about the wood sucks up carbon, obviously, as it, as it grows, as the tree grows, and then that works out better somehow from an embodied carbon standpoint. Can can you explain that to me or do you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Sorry about that. Um, yes. So the numbers aren't completely, they're um, not completely there on this. So what you're describing is carbon sequestration. Right. And so as That's the trees the word. grow, yes, sucks <laughs> <laughs> up is a great alternative word. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so carbon sequestration is. Uh, The process, well, when trees grow, they need uh, CO2 in order to grow, and so they absorb carbon from the atmosphere throughout their life. Um, We then chop those trees down and use them in buildings, and there's a lot of stored carbon within within those uh, wood products. Mm. Where the accounting is maybe not quite there or at least I haven't been completely convinced on this yet is um, what happens in that specific forest after you chop down the tree Right. you're no longer you no longer have a forest that's absorbing quite the same carbon as it was previously so there's a lot to do with forestry management there and there's a lot of research here and I think it's certainly um, a great thing that we can use this product that's absorbing carbon from the atmosphere in our buildings as an alternative to products that just churn out carbon right. when you produce them. Right. But we just need to make sure that everything lines up, that we're not actually taking away something that is you know, helping us to absorb carbon from the atmosphere. Right. and so there is still some there's still some research to be done there and i think mass timber is a great solution um, in terms of reducing the embodied carbon buildings
1: because even if you replant which they always do i mean i mean the, yeah. the logging they, they 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 replant everything of course that's the whole point you have to have <laughs> more trees coming uh but of course for a long time, those trees are not absorbing much carbon. When they're small, they're you know they're 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 not doing nearly as much as a, as a as a mature tree is. So yeah, you're right. There's there's a calculation that needs to be done there. Uh, as far as are, are you are you are you hurting more by taking the mature trees out and then having to wait fifty years uh, for uh, for for another mature tree to come back, or are there so many damn trees that it doesn't really matter, and it's actually better that you're not using a a, a carbon intensive process to make your building exactly. material in the yeah. first place?
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: um,
0: it, I think as long as we're using forestry products for um, longer than the time it takes to grow that tree. Ah, um, there you go. Think,
1: there you general, go. So you're not. Yeah, because of course, when you burn, when you when I mean, if you well. Not necessarily going to burn it, but I mean, I mean, when you just no, sorry, you would literally have to burn the wood to release the carbon out of it. So, I mean, if if you had a wood stove, right, or or if it rots, yeah, or if it rots, yeah, Yeah. yeah, right, right. So, you well, that takes a long time. I I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, okay, so I mean, you could even if you took it at the point of demolition. You would you would need that facade to. You're hoping that that facade lasts almost as long as it takes to grow a new tree, and then you're basically netting out to zero.
0: So- and I think the the real like missing piece here is that those products have all of this locked in carbon, and if we don't um, kind of send it to landfill, or if we don't burn it, we're we're keeping that carbon stored in those products. So, where I really would like to see things going is, um, a reuse of building components. So, how can we use these forestry products that have sequestered all of this carbon? How can we reuse reuse them again and again, so that we're kind of locking that carbon into our buildings and using our buildings as a carbon sink?
1: Right, because even a wood facade that's had its day, uh, that wood can usually be repurposed to to something. Right?
0: Yeah, you could repurpose it and make yourself yeah. a really nice garden deck. You could do um, a whole host of different things with mm. that wood. Or if it's completely, um, if you if you you're able to assess those products and see there's actually no deterioration, then why not use them again in another facade system? Or if it's a floor joist, use them again as another floor joist in a different building and just. I think the the aim is to keep things in as high a form as possible so for as long as possible so keeping a wood joist as a wood joist rather than keeping a wood joist as floor panels or or siding.
1: Well, we got a lot of barns around here with uh with uh, great big wood beams that are uh, you know have been there for 200 years. Uh, so yeah. uh, you know it's, uh, it's 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 of course their interior. Uh, uh the, the prospects for an exterior facade are possibly a little grimmer uh but uh I, I don't know i guess if you keep i guess if you keep treating it and maintaining it you should you know uh, no reason yeah. uh, why why, mm-hmm. why i couldn't care uh, uh, okay as usual uh caroline i have drifted off into the nether worlds of of random <laughs> talk uh and uh we probably should we probably should wrap <laughs> this up before uh, everybody shuts <laughs> us off um the um uh let, let before we do uh, tell me uh, uh, a little bit about your uh, your Zebex uh, awards, and and, mm-hmm. and 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 are you are you doing them again? Can people uh, apply? Get on your radar for one of these. What what, yeah. what what's the deal there?
0: Yeah. So, Embodied um, common awards and um, currently. We, we serve BC um, at the minute. So the BC Embodied Carbon Awards is hopefully an annual feature. We're planning to, to rerun that in 2024 now. So we just hosted these in March 2023. This was our first year. Um, and we gave out six awards this year. We had two for large buildings, two for small buildings, and two for organizations that had... Um, gone above and beyond, so we called it the Commitment to Change Award. So this is for organizations who perhaps didn't have a specific project that they wanted to celebrate but were making wholesale changes in the way that they design buildings or the way they do business in the pursuit of reducing embodied carbon. So we had a huge number of applications for those uh, Commitment to Change Awards, specifically from local governments, um, which I was really excited about. We've got lots of local governments in BC who are implementing change where they can um, in order to reduce body carbon in their local municipalities. Uh, That was really, really great to see. We also, we learned a lot of lessons, obviously, in the first year, we had a lot of very kind of different um, companies applying to the awards, companies that we didn't particularly expect. And we found it quite difficult to compare um, architects to engineers to contractors, oh. and so next year we're our, our plan is to expand the awards and expand um, the to cover different disciplines, particularly you know a structural engineers award, mechanical engineers award, potentially a facade enge- uh, engineers or suppliers award, uh, and certainly a local government award because we found um, that. There was quite a number of local governments who applied, and it's quite difficult to compare a local government to a large corporation delivering Uh, $100 million buildings. Um, So we had a great time. It's definitely going to happen again next year. Um, We're just in the process of putting the winners up on our website, so if people are interested, um, our website is com. Um, and, and watch this space in the coming weeks for for a write up on each of our winners.
1: Fantastic! And um, if people, how do how do you collect your award winners? Is there a submission process? Is there a form online?
0: Yeah, so not currently open, but um, for submissions. But last year we opened the um, we had an online application page. We opened applications in November. Uh, The application deadline was then January and we're planning to run a similar time schedule this year. I think that worked quite well. So probably start advertising the awards again in September, open applications in November and and the awards night itself will be in March. So a little bit of time to prepare for anyone who's listening.
1: <laughs> so second action item coming out of this, everybody, is uh, later on this year, uh, put put it in your calendar. Uh, you want to Google uh, uh, ZEBX, Z-E-B-X, uh, awards, uh, or uh, CLF, the Carbon Leadership Forum in BC. Uh, we'll get you there <laughs> too, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, and start to, and if you're working on um, you know any projects that that have those those you know very high uh, environmental passive house stuff uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, something that has a very high um, uh, uh, environmental requirement well and I should point out embodied carbon uh uh, is 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 the element of it uh that you have to you have to know is there but if your architect has been saying i want my epds uh, embodied carbon uh you know and and you've 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 been supplying that and doing all the hard work to get that ready why not get recognized for it go and throw your hat in the ring and uh caroline will be very happy to shower you with praise and uh Mm -hmm. and and website postings and probably what what a a, a plaque probably or, or something for yes, your office right exactly, Caroline exactly. yeah yeah the benefits uh, are amazing. I went to a yeah. women's um, office
0: recently and I was I was quite proud to see that they had the plaque up
1: hey um, there you go there you go really cool. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice well listen I I uh, I I wish you luck with uh with with that and I really want to thank, thank you Caroline a uh, 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 great information. Uh, uh and uh just uh very nice to 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 be able to uh give everybody some background and and and, and talk a bit about what's coming with embodied carbon so uh uh Caroline Bouchard from uh from the uh, Carbon Leadership Forum in BC thanks so much for joining me on Glass Talk today
0: thank you for having me it's been a blast thanks for listening to Glass Talk you can find this episode at glasscanada.mag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.